0: Okay, it's like the third week of spring training. I think I don't know. The Giants have played seventeen spring training games, and they're seven and ten, which sounds bad. But really, of course, Doug, it doesn't matter, right? Um, it does. It
1: doesn't matter. Also, I mean, they were three and eight at one point, so really, they're on a hot streak right now.
0: And they their run differential. They really should be about five hundred. There, I think they're eighty-seven runs scored, eighty-eight allowed. I just want to point a couple of things out. As meaningless as these spring training stats are, the Giants were 13 and 20 last year in spring training, and they gave up like 222 runs. I think I was just glancing at it, and so now I forget. Uh, they gave up 221 runs. They've given up uh, 88 in um, in 17 so far. They they basically played more than half their games, and they're much better. <laughs> <laughs> They, I mean, they're on a piece yeah, yes, to be better. remember
1: last year, remember last year, their, start, their entire starting rotation was just a disaster in spring. Uh, yeah. Bumgarner was awful. Quato was awful. Samarjo was awful. Uh, I don't remember who else was in the rotation in spring PV, last year. PV was... PV, yes, PV and Kane were god-awful. Yeah.
0: And Kane so, is still got awful.
1: Kane is still god-awful, <laughs> but the rest of them are having pretty normal springs.
0: Well, Quato, just by virtue of not being there... Until this past weekend. Right. <laughs> uh, speaking of Johnny Cueto, real quick, it's going to be sad to watch him go, but if I don't know if you caught this, Doug. Did you see him cheering the Dominican team uh, for the World Baseball Classic, the video he posted?
1: I, I did, and it, you know, for like 20 seconds after I watched it, I was like, man, maybe Twitter is a good thing. <laughs> For, for, and, then, and then then I scrolled and I saw the next tweet and I was
0: like, never mind. <laughs> or just someone's stupid reply to that, to what he posted. <laughs> but for a solid two minutes after that, I really thought about becoming a Dominican citizen. <laughs> uh, if, I mean, imagine Johnny Cueto cheering his, like if you're his countryman and he cheers you on like that. That gets me, that gets me amped up. Um, yeah. Oh,
1: for sure. How could it not?
0: So yeah, the Giants are are playing better overall. I, I, I mean, they just yes, they were three and eight at one point, but even in that three and eight, it wasn't a, as overtly miserable as it was for for most of spring training last year. Remember, there was all this talk of like, well, it's spring training; the guys will get on track and or I think it's untracked is actually the phrase. But you know, there was all that talk like it's spring training; they'll get they'll get it loose and. And already we've seen a lot of, you know, Ty Block has looked good in, in stretches. Madison Bumgarner's looks str- good in, in stretches. Johnny Cueto looked good in stretches. Jeff Smarges looks solid. Mark Melanson has been a, 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 shutdown, a shutdown bullpen guy in spring training. <laughs> um, but Michael Morris has looked great in spring training, which would probably matter exactly zero, except it's Michael Morris. And if you're a real Giants fan, first of all, you're going to think I said Morris. Second... <laughs> It's Michael Morris, and he has uh, the uh, the emotional attachment cannot cannot be ignored. And if you're so, going yeah, to,
1: yeah, I will say this about Michael Morris: I was in I was in Scottsdale uh, for a few days last week. Michael Morris got probably the biggest cheers out of anyone when he came into the game. He is still widely loved by a large segment of the Giants fan base, and he's, you know I I can see why he's very lovable. He's but it's, uh,
0: it's yeah. incredible. He's the slightly less, uh, he's in the Pat Burrow mold, but like everybody knows there he's not that he's not going to, you know, try to sleep with them.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a nicer way to put it than yeah. what I was going to say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like out of the gate to get some new listeners, maybe we, maybe we keep it clean for a little
1: while. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we keep it clean and avoid any references to sexual assault. That's
0: right. That's right. Uh, you know, Michael Morris is... And again, I think I mentioned this last week. You know, it, it's a different vibe that I think maybe the Giants needed, um, you know, last year. I mean, did we even mention this? I think losing Tim Flandery was this big issue. Because it's just like, outside of him and you get the occasional characters like Michael Morris, you know, who's going to be the the goofball? I guess Johnny Cueto could be, but he's, he's basically a border. Like he's just he's just passing through.
1: <laughs> right. I mean that's that's also where we're losing Affeld hurt. Yeah. Because Affeld could give you both sides of the that kind of clubhouse leadership. He could give you the goofball, and then he could turn around and be inspiring. He could also like having two players, plus he could actually play for a while.
0: That's right. And he also could be the butt of jokes. Yeah. I think that's important too, is when you can people half the clubhouse will listen to you and find value in that, and the other half will be like Guillermo half el douche. And they'll, <laughs> then, then that will take the other half of the clubhouse. So uh, I, I guess I'm saying, here's my point on Michael Morris. This is where I've landed on it. If Connor Gillespie is somehow good enough for the roster, I can't see how Michael Morris isn't. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that's my opinion. I'm sure I'm statistically completely in the wrong here. Um, and spring training, I think, yes, it's ridiculous to look at any of the numbers and go, Ha, there's something to be taken from that. But I would say that when players look good uh, early, it's encouraging. How can it not be? Um, And and, uh, Anyway, there we are. There's the Giants. Uh, Buster Posey plays in the World Baseball Classic. You knew that, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford are on Team USA with Mark Lanson possibly joining them and and Jeff Samarja possibly joining them in the second round. But uh, Posey and Crawford both played. I think Crawford started all, all three games in uh, in in Florida. Yeah, and he had. Yeah, he's great. He,
0: yeah, I mean he's it, the idea that Brandon Crawford. I mean, I still think about. I think I'm still stuck in the mindset in in like 60 percent of the time with Brandon Crawford, which is completely unfair to Brandon Crawford, and that is not good enough to displace Orlando Cabrera. I mean, age and all that other stuff just working. There's just something about that. And also, I think the other thing for Brandon Crawford that is interesting is that in this modern era, he... I think the Corey... I'm of two minds. There's a part of me that's like, man, I can't get over that Orlando Cabrera was acquired to still start over him. And this other thing is... Not that he was begging for the job, obviously. It wasn't like he was being blocked. But it was... Orlando Cabrera was literally an urn that Sabian put out there, an urn with <laughs> cleats and a hat. Um, anyway... Well, there
1: are other urn with cleats and a hat. was Miguel Tejada, and he wasn't working out. So, I mean, right. what are they supposed to right. do?
0: But my other thought was, I think it's uh, it's a very... I, want, I don't want to say cruel, because you can't say that Brandon Crawford has had a bad Major League Baseball career. That's my point. Brandon Crawford has had actually a classically great MLB career. I think... Us, meaning the bulk of our listeners, you know, in that 25 to 40 mindset, I think we are, I wouldn't say spoiled, I would just say we're a little bit more accustomed to guys coming on the scene quickly nowadays, right? And kind of holding on. But I think growing up, there was sort of that idea of, uh, you know, before we entered adulthood, like, sometimes these guys take a while to gain a foothold and, and build their careers, and it happens gradually. Brandon Crawford has always been a solid defender, but he has actually really has gotten better over the years, but his bat, which was never supposed to be the big thing. He's basically, he's slowly established a great big league career. And I was going to say, uh, what was cruel, but again, not cruel is that Corey Seeger just like was burped into existence and is now <laughs> the most amazing shortstop in the national league. And, and it's, uh, some, frass just, Just upsets me. (laughs) You
1: know, I feel like Crawford's Crawford's someone who just is fine with that. He's like, you know, I'll just be great over here, and you can do whatever, and I'll just enjoy my two World Series rings and my thirty children. Yeah,
0: I mean, I don't think he's. I don't think Seeger's a a flash in the pan. Um, No, (laughs) that's not what I mean at all. I just I liked that Crawford did have that spotlight for a minute. (laughs)
1: Yeah, <laughs> of <Seeger>, The modern <laughs> day Angel Barreau. you heard it here
0: first. Uh, we're going to actually be joined in a in a little bit by uh, the Dodgers SB Nation guy Eric Steven of True Blue LA, and uh, he can come in and agree with us on on that point because I think <laughs> you're right, Doug. I think you're onto something there. Yeah, we'll also be joined later. Uh, we're going to do. We're going to split the NL West review. We're also going to be joined later by a national broadcaster and. And uh, Arizona Diamondbacks lead analyst uh, Mike Farron of XM Radio uh, and MLB Network and the Diamondbacks to talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks. Remember them? Interesting note about them, Doug. They had the best record in the class in the Cactus League last year, twenty-four and eight.
1: Oh, did that went really well, right? I'm they, pretty they sure won they won 30?
0: twenty-four games in the regular season. <laughs> um, so not not a great year, but. They them acquiring Mike Farron last offseason was definitely one of their top moves.
1: It, so. was, it was their best move move in a lot of years.
0: That's true. Uh, so uh, I guess uh, one thing that I am like uh, astonished by still is that I'm still positive about the Giants, Doug. So what does that mean?
1: Um, that means that means they're doomed. And also you're dumb. Mm-hmm. It means both of those things.
0: It means all of that. Uh, uh, I think, you know, when you look at the team, it's the same with any baseball team. How do you go into the season? uh, You know, if you're a typical Giants fan five years ago, you're going into the season going like, oh, let's hit the windows closed, blah, blah, blah. And I guess for me, what happened was they took the Cubs to the brink. And so now I'm like, okay, if this, if this group just gets in, they really can cause trouble, like, the thing that we were always told about, I guess the Yankees. I'm comparing the Giants to the Yankees. I can't believe I'm doing this, but you know, just like the veterans who have been there, uh, that if you're not careful, they'll they'll get you. And the fact that the Giants are probably that team now, I think I really enjoy that.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's incredible. <laughs> I love it. Like I, there was a sense in 2003. Like, after the Giants lost the game that Ponson started, game two, it was kind of like, oh, here we go again. Right. You know? Like, they're going to be the same old Giants. Like, after the Giants went down even 0-2 to the Cubs, I was like, yeah, they still have a chance. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm kind of dumb for thinking that, but they still have a chance. It's just a different thing. Yeah. And that's anyway. what all that winning has done. It gives us <laughs> lots of false hope that can then be crushed, which well, is good.
0: I would say it's good because intellectually – you can battle your emotional state a little bit more because you're like, okay, I, I intellectually could make an argument to my panic, not Joe Panic, but my <laughs> internal mental panic, about what it could take. Like the Cubs haven't been here, and but I mean they're obviously super talented, and the experience factor is probably negligible compared to talent. But if you don't kill the Giants, they will get you so the Cubs had better kill the Giants and then they didn't and it's like, okay, well now you've kind of invited some trouble here because yeah. if, if there's anything the Giants are really good at doing and it's really painful to watch, let's be honest, if you, if they hang around, they they have a really <laughs> good shot of winning. I mean, that's yeah. the thing with this team. If you just, if you, the cockroaches thing from 2012, uh, you know, it's it, it's true but it's, it's, it's sort of like i don't want them to keep testing that (laughs) i'd like them to win some games 10 to 1 this year that's what i'm saying
1: (laughs) right yeah that'd be good or you know they could win some games like 6-3 and have the bullpen go like four scoreless innings maybe i'll take that that, i would take that
0: i'll take that uh i i'm even non-plussed no that's not the right word I'm even whatever about this whole Jarrett Parker is the left fielder now, but uh, he had a great game yesterday, and it looks like you know he's locking it down. And
1: um, you know, the, I've the said many times I'm that happy about that it. He he actually had okay, okay. So the weird thing about Jarrett Parker is that he'd actually had a really bad week before that, and he was hitting two hundred or so going into that game. And then suddenly he had a three for three, and everyone's like, well, he's the starter again. Yeah. And, you know, not to say he's not. There's a lot of factors, but it's so easy in spring training to just overstate one game, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, bury this just yet. On the other hand, he's... Giants options, they can do it. They have a veteran yeah. fetish. Mike Morris might make the team. So <laughs> that's the other side of it
0: yeah I, I guess it's just he seems like he's got that sheen or that and that shield about him that that will give him that uh, the chance to to cross over or or master what yes, any normal baseball player would seemingly be immune, immune to uh, changing their fortunes with one game, but he's I think it just feels like the Giants want him to be the starting left fielder. And so they're finding any reason to make it happen. I guess when I say giants, I really just mean Bruce Bochy. Right. Uh, I don't know why that is, but here's the thing. You can't find evidence to disprove my my random assertion. So, and that's the, that's that's true, the standard dude. now. That's
1: the standard now.
0: That's it. Uh, prove Disprove <laughs> my negative.
1: Uh, Pro- disprove the universal <laughs> negative. That's all you
0: have to do. Uh, Let's get into our NL West preview now, Doug, because, you know, the Giants do have to play other teams, lose to other teams. But um, we're going to bring in now Eric Steven from True Blue LA, the the neighboring SB Nation uh, blog. Uh, Eric also has a podcast, True Blue LA uh, podcast on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, Eric, thanks for joining us. You're in Arizona. You're at Spring Training. You're on the field right now. I'm uh, sort of. I'm. I'm on a. Uh, the carpet I'm on is green right now,
2: so it's kind of like a field. So it, close enough. I, I was on the field this morning, but right now, uh, in a, uh, sitting in a room with a uh, field-like carpet. So.
0: And your sunburn is uh, a what, what one to ten? Where where's that? Oh, oh, great question. Uh, it's probably like a seven. seven. I've actually been
2: monitoring it pretty well. Um, I've been like putting on the uh sunscreen like just about every morning uh as a precaution so i thought i thought some something was coming on last week but i was able to uh keep those nasty uv rays away <laughs> Excellent.
1: What, what SPF do you go with 700 or something stronger oh oh
2: yeah i'm i i have to go with like the like the one they use for babies I'm, I've, <laughs> i have the, the whitest
0: skin possible oh i uh, thought you were gonna say a mother
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm the kind of person where when my socks are off, they like people ask me to take you know take my socks (laughs) off again, like (laughs) because my feet are so white. So so SPF like 50. I've heard if you're above, there's nothing really above 50. So I just go with 50. That's that's pretty much what I what I go with.
0: I've actually heard if it goes anything above, I think even 35 is it does. There's no difference.
2: Ah. Uh, so I've been I mean, paying – probably paying quadruple the cost for nothing.
0: <laughs> I think I, – I mean seriously, I, I hope – definitely double-check me on that. But someone I know whose father I think works in, in petrochemicals or how, whatever it is, it's just like above 35, it's the same as 35. Oh. So, uh, But enough about SPFs. Let's talk <laughs> about – LADS, there we go. All right, um, oh, the Los the Angeles, the, yes, the Los okay. Angeles Dodgers of Dodgers. Uh, they are they are s- projected to win 150 games this year. Um, That's
2: right, just, Yeah. and
0: sweep sweep through the first two games of the NLDS, and then it's it's toss up <laughs> after that. But in any case. Uh, the Dodgers, of course, they're I love that every year the projections come out like the Giants are projected to like exist as a franchise and the <laughs> Dodgers are projected to win, uh, th- you know, a billion games. It, but they have an amazing roster. Tell us about it. What it, are we missing? Is, I, I'll be
2: honest. It's crazy. Like the the this is the fifth straight year that Dakota has projected them to have the best record in baseball. And like it hasn't happened yet. Like it's not it hasn't hasn't come particularly close uh any of those other years but what I what I always find confusing is the the first day that Pocota projections came out I think the Dodgers started at 97 yes and then, and then like by the time I was like writing the article about it it was already up to 98 and then like it just keeps going up and then of course like the Cubs were like somehow at like 89 wins which sounds absurd like are they did they strike in August or something is that <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and,
2: and, and so, like, but that said, I, look, I, I am pretty high, like, on this particular roster. Like, um, you know, they won what ninety-one games last year, and they, you know, they won the division. I think they're probably going to win the division again, and uh, I'm, I, mean, I think they'll they'll clear that number pretty easily. i you know, knock knock on wood or whatever. But um, the number I keep coming back to for for them is is 42 and that was the total number of starts by uh, kershaw rich hill and julio urias last year and so i, I figure that number is going to be like north of 70 this year you know if all if all things sort of go right uh so that's like a huge improvement to me and i think that's going to sort of stem the tide uh of any if they suffer any sort of sort of setback so i i'm pretty bullish on where where they're headed and I think um, another division title at least is in order, and they're, you know, I, I mean, and beyond that, obviously, who knows? But I think they're certainly good enough to, you know, do what they sort of are. Uh, everyone sort of sets out to do at the beginning of the season.
0: Well, I think uh, I want to get this into. I mean, I here's what I think happens with the pagoda projections: starts at 97. They publish it. They start, you know, the writers the <laughs> the the site managers look at the comments and they're like and basking and like people are reading my stuff. And then they just think about it a little bit more and they go, we put that Clayton Kershaw is on the team, right? And that's
1: right? This is what I
0: think happens. They keep thinking about Clayton Kershaw. It's like, well what if he pitches what if he doesn't miss any games? What if he pitches great in the games he missed, like accounting for the ones he missed last year? He pitches amazing <laughs> the games. I think that's what happens. I don't I think the computers stop working at a certain point. It's just They've got Clayton Kershaw, and after that, I feel like he's the he's the he's the tide that lifts all the boats. That's what it feels like and as like, a figurehead. Even he's he's the best pitcher on the planet, and he's clearly the guy that just anoints them.
2: And this, you know, starters in the '70s, they used to go with 35 or 40 starts. Why not Kershaw? Right? Like just <laughs> let's just keep adding to the workload, and that's how they get to that high number. Okay, I'm with you now. I'm on yeah. board. Uh,
0: but I mean, I. I I here's the thing also about the Giants Dodgers rivalry rivalry and how it's and how it breaks down. I, I what I like is that there's always the main characters, but what this recent run of Dodgers, you know, post McCourt essentially, is that they've really gotten good at adding in like Simpsons level. Uh, quality side characters but for right. Giants fans they're they're just at like obviously Puig is you know enemy number one for you know whatever yeah. reason but then it's like well we can't ignore Trace Thompson because then he'll he'll do something or we can't we can't ignore tolls he'll do something and then let's not forget that that Charlie Culberson was good all along. What?
1: (laughs) And Justin Turner?
0: And Justin Turner? And (laughs) Justin Turner enchanting them with this magical, mystical (laughs) Elven flute playing. Oh. his Mithril bat. Uh. (laughs) Ugh.
2: And and don't forget those the locks. Those red locks are pretty stunning. I I would have forgotten the
0: locks.
2: (laughs) And, and, And you're you're also shortchanging. That's division clinching, home run hitting Charlie Culberson. You're you're talking about, sir.
0: The last two things I wanted to say, I wanted to say in a George Costanza voice. Haven't forgotten! Haven't forgotten about the home run! (laughs) Uh, And, I mean, Yasmani Grandal, I feel like, in Dodger fandom that comes through my Twitter timeline, he feels like he's the player who gets unfairly maligned because he's a catcher whose shoulder keeps dying, but then he... When he's healthy for you know those two-week stretches, he's a great defensive catcher. And he, he goes on these like seven-for-eleven tears, but se- seven of those hits were actually nine home runs. And exactly. it's just like, it's crazy. Uh, and they stole him from the, the Padres. And it's oh. just, oh, it's all infuriating. And Chase Utley, we haven't even gotten there. Jeez. Look, there's an, <laughs> an unhealthy, I mean, it's not unhealthy. I'm overstating
2: it. But there is an uncommon like love of chase ellie in the dodger clubhouse. like I, I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago but it's like everyone even like in the front office like you know the so-called stat geeks up up in the in the uh, in the ivory tower as it were they're they're like completely on board with you know chase ellie like uh, super teammate and uh it's weird like um i i don't I'm not trying to discount it. It's just like, I don't think I've ever seen, um, people like rally around a guy like to a man. Everyone's like, I don't care what is, what he does in the field at all. I'm just glad he's back. You know, they just want him around. Like they, they love him. Uh, it's, it's, he's like the, everyone's favorite teammate. Like I thought Juan Uribe was that for a while, but like, it's gone to like another level with Chase Elliott. And it's kind of crazy how they, everyone sort of rallies around
0: it. Um, Doug, he's talking about Chase Butley, right? Okay,
1: yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, it's more like Chase Butley. That's an original joke. I was the yeah. first person to ever say it. I yeah. trademarked it. Everyone uh, has to yeah. pretend to
2: say it. I'll be sure, I'll credit you on Twitter with that one. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: well, uh, isn't he just to me, I mean, Chase Butley, I feel I give too much crap for him seeming like he's a really old man, but I—I I guess that's the thing. He has the face and the genteel energy of everyone's grandpa. That's what—that's right. what, what I think is the draw there.
2: He's like the guy. Okay, so if, to put that in perspective, like he, hes the—he's definitely the old man yelling at cloud sometimes, but he's also strong enough to like reach up and grab that cloud and pull it back down and beat the crap out of it. <laughs> so. so
0: he's Clint Eastwood. That's what,
2: yeah, yeah. Okay. and we're all and we're all the chairs. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, another thing you you mentioned too about like this, these these uh, the Giants Dodger rivalry, like the all the Lenny and Carl's uh, the the backstory characters, but you know Puig versus Bumgarner is such a. Like it's it's been it's like I, I still think it's kind of fun, right? It's kind of absurd on both sides. Like both both guys are kind of insane in their own ways. Uh but like what amazed me last year was with the whole um don't look at me stuff was like uh, I wanna say within I, I it was definitely the next day, but I, I think within hours they had like t shirts printed up for everybody in the Dodger Clubhouse. Like um, th- so what amazes me about like major league lifestyle is that there you know there's a lot of disposable income uh, for a lot of guys you know not not maybe not you know the major league minimum is like $535,000. those guys that's a that's a good chunk of change but those guys aren't throwing around money all the time but you you know you get your ten million plus guys they're gonna have they'll, they'll rent a pool table every once in a while and bring it into the clubhouse and do stuff like that but the 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 connections these guys have to like t-shirt makers like on a whim is amazing (laughs) to me like like you can have like the the smallest slight or or like something or someone will just say some dumb comment next day it's like a t-shirt there's like 50 t-shirts in the clubhouse like they they just they like local t-shirt makers are are that's like the business to be in man if you if you know someone (laughs) on a baseball team like you'll get you'll you'll put your kids through college with enough uh, work just from baseball (laughs)
1: So you're saying that Madison Bumgarner isn't being immature when he yells at Puig. He's really propping up the Southern California economy.
0: (laughs) He's kind of a hero in that regard. He's a job creator. (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess, uh, so, you know, every Dodger is essentially an all-star. And, you know, the the Giants counter with a pretty solid slingshot. But I want to uh, get your sense real quick of Who's someone that uh, we should be looking out for, or if anyone who's not neither a Giants or a Dodgers fan and is for some reason listening to this podcast, like who should, as a baseball fan, just be considering as uh, if he was on your team, you'd love him. But in any case, you should watch him anyway. So,
2: so probably the the new the new guy to this sort of uh, Dodgers Giants theater this year is probably Logan Forsythe. He was around. <sighs> With the Jesus. Padres, obviously, ah. you know. So you know, he has some NL West familiarity, but he, when he was with the Padres, he was like sort of light-hitting utility man, Logan Forsyth, and he went over to the Rays, started playing a little more full-time uh, and became like slugging home slugging Logan Forsyth in a weird way. So, yeah, the, the Dodgers sort of got him to play second base, which was made it extra weird that they also brought back Chase Utley, you know. He's in, in a more utility role, I guess. Um, But, yeah, Forsyth is going to be probably one of the keys to the season for them because they they struggled a little bit last year. Uh, They struggled a lot hitting lefties, and he's sort of one of the guys they expect to help that. Um,
0: And a consistent on-base guy, too, which not that the Dodgers are necessarily lacking that, but it doesn't hurt for depth purposes to have yet another guy who can get on base consistently.
2: Yeah, and especially because he's pro I mean, if I had to guess, he's probably going to be the leadoff guy. He'll hit, like, first or second, I would imagine, like, most of the year. So he's going to be that guy at the top. Probably going to be, like, uh, I would imagine for some opponents, like, really infuriating at times. But, yeah, I think he, he's gonna, he has some pop, and he, he's probably going to hit, like, uh, like 20 home runs wouldn't surprise me if, if he's in, like, the 15 to 25 range. So, I mean, it's a big range, but, like, uh, I expect him to, you know, be pretty productive. So he's probably the one guy, like the new guy to watch. Uh, so that that's someone to pay attention to. Andre Ethier, the old the old guy to watch, because he was basically lost last year with a you know, broken uh, tibia, and he didn't play until September. He's looking. Uh, he's actually out with like this minor stuff right now, but he, I think he'll be pretty productive. Um, you know, not going to play a ton. But uh, he'll play enough to be sort of be out there against righties and do some damage. So a new and an old guy, I guess. That's those are my guys.
0: Oh, I'm already calling him Fogan Lorth- Lorsyth. I'm doing <laughs> it. Uh, I like it. He's, I'm spoonerizing him from the jump. Uh, great. Well, I guess from your side of the table, I'd be interested. Also, last kind of question is: How do you? Where do you? When you look at the Giants, what do you think of? And who do you think of? And and do you even? Are they just a thorn in the Dodgers' side, or are they just like, well, every year there has to be a team that's maybe number two?
2: No, no, I, I say I expect them to definitely like uh, sort of be there for the you know, uh, fighting for the division. Uh, I do think the Dodgers will probably, you know, probably win the division, but like it wouldn't surprise me if the Giants won. Like they, they're everything's kind of still in place for them. Like, e- look, like, even if they, I know that there's a lot of turnover in the bullpen, but like even if they brought like every single guy back and used the exact same crew from last year, there's no way that they're gonna like blow that many saves. Like they're just bound to be better just by like natural progression, right? So like I, 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 the bullpen's gonna be better. I, so that that's a that's a plus for you guys you figure Matt Moore for like the whole season probably going to be like one of the better like number four guys and then you're basically going to get probably like uh, I don't know like 650 innings out of the top three and that's that's really hard to like compete with Uh, and that'll help the bullpen I'm sure Uh, and so you know I look at that like Posey was he didn't he slump pretty badly in the second half last year like Offensively, and then like Pence was hurt. I, I look at those guys as like, you know, the sort of the the guys you have to avoid in the Giants lineup. So uh, I su- I suspect they'll be productive. So I, I look at them as still this like, that you know, they're no matter it, it might not look pretty all the time, but they're gonna be they're always hanging around and like you you kind of like the, um, this like they're this crazy zombie team that you actually you have to kill them and bury them before you're sure that they're dead. So I'll, I'll never write off this, this incarnation of the giants. So I, I do suspect them to be challenging for sure.
0: Eric, still enjoy your three run home runs, which come regularly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we appreciate you taking the time and, and, you know, we, we know you've got to take an aloe vera bath for your skin and, and, <laughs> and all the spring training fun you're about to, ha- you're going to keep having, but Thanks again. Uh, they can find you at True Blue LA on Twitter, also at Eric Steven, right? Uh, and you're also Absolutely. part of SB Nation. You write some articles. Have you written a Tim Tebow article yet?
2: No, uh, surprisingly. <laughs> um, uh, I've, uh, I've, edited, I've edited a few, but uh, have have not, have not written one yet. So maybe this week. God willing. Right.
0: Thanks for joining us, Eric.
2: You got Take it. Care. Thanks, guys. Right.
0: Thanks. Okay, and moving right along. Joining us now uh, is national baseball personality you can you can listen to him on Sirius XM's Power Alley he also does uh the Futures games he's a, uh, a, a, an ambassador of baseball he's also the pre and post-game show host for the Arizona Diamondbacks which is how uh I came to think he's the perfect person to be on the show to talk about the Diamondbacks it's Mike Farron Mike Farron welcome to the show uh, I,
3: do do I have to like take emulence in order to be the uh, the uh, ambassador of baseball? I mean, that's part of it, right? Is like I have to like purchase that kind of uh, um, that kind of access or, or title,
1: right? <laughs> no, no, you sell your access.
3: Oh, sell it. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. good. I, well, I can, <laughs>
0: listen. Rick I'll you're... take anybody's money. Yeah, I mean, don't you don't you know the first rule of kleptocracy? Come on. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> <laughs> That involves that involves stealing uh, uh, cosmetics, doesn't it? cryptocracy? <laughs> That's right. There is a big heist not too uh, recently. Yes. Uh, so the Diamondbacks. Doug. Doug. I... <laughs> Where do we start with the Diamondbacks?
1: <laughs> so I mean, let's start with uh, the the biggest star on the Diamondbacks, Paul Goldschmidt. He, you know, he had a, a, another very good year last year. A little bit of a drop in offense. How much of that was become? Tim Lincecum's not in the division anymore
3: <laughs> I think it's real easy to say that although I, I the shock from both Giants and Dodgers people at the fact that Goldschmidt didn't hit like 600 against both teams last year was uh, really kind of as somebody who's new to the division last season was really kind of adorable I thought that was very funny um because <laughs> they, they're just so used to him dominating no you're right I mean he still had a really good year and uh, this is the thing. Like he was in the top ten in all of baseball on stolen bases, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he's he is. I think he's this weird combination of Jeff Bagwell, and I mean this weird in a good way, of Jeff Bagwell and Paul Konerko. Like Canerco's consistency of personality with Bagwell's skill set, and he's really marvelous to watch. Uh, and and you get to appreciate him even in what for him is a down season, where he has a four hundred on base percentage, and you know, maybe the slugging was off a little bit. Um, he's still just a really tremendous hitter who rarely gives away an at-bat and um, has a real keen baseball intellect. And I I think he's going to have a better year this year. There were some mechanical things that I think they identified um, this winter that caused him to hit the ball on the ground more than he had been. Uh, And judging from the way he swung the bat before he left for the World Baseball Classic and the fact that every time I've turned on the World Baseball Classic, he's been standing at second and then scoring a run, um, I expect, uh, you know, Paul Goldschmidt to have a pretty typical Paul Goldschmidt year, which puts him in the running for an MVP award.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I I would say that uh, what kind of balance is that in, in the sense of that's a very big positive. You can take that to the bank. Uh, is Zach Greinke, uh, uh, his spring, it's spring training, so who cares? But it's also Zach Greinke and uh, it's velocity down. And is that any sort of Let's think about this. Is that a negative negative thing, or it's just a groan? Well, I mean, I think it's 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 it's
3: not exactly what you want when you start, right? But I mean, I think, listen, he's got the skill set that should be able to handle a decline of velocity, right? Because he has such great command. Um, you know, really, one of Granky's great tasks is that great great abilities is that, there's very little variation between his fastball and his secondary pitches. He's similar to Felix Hernandez in that regard, and maybe maybe it's similar too in that you know his velocity is is you know closer to where Felix's was. Maybe you know I don't, don't want to say he had, Felix had a bump up a couple of years ago, um, and then it was down last year. Maybe it was the year before that. I mean, I think you know Greinke today. Uh, on the backfields had a bunch of 91s in the first inning a couple 90s in the second and then it started to dip a little bit from there Um, but if he commands you know he's still going to be pretty effective and I think the last season his year was the the overall numbers don't look great but he had about a 10 start stretch once he got comfortable um, where he was really good and then he got hurt he hurt his oblique against the Phillies came back wasn't right hurt his shoulder um, had a minor shoulder thing that shut him down for the end of the year Um, And I think that that's kind of the encouraging thing is that there's this chance that, you know, what you saw in that 10-start stretch was, you know, the real Zach Greinke. And, you know, he has performed like that in the Diamondback uniform. It's just obscured by what his overall numbers were last season.
0: It was kind of, it was just a shock to the system more than anything, because if you're being, if you're thinking about baseball in a, just a conversational way, oh, Wherever Zach Cranky goes, he's going to be immediately successful. He seems mm-hmm. very geared towards that. So it just felt very surprising. What uh, also surprising? My transitions are so bad. It's spring training <laughs> for me, too. But, uh, you know, it's <laughs> spring uh, training yeah, for the podcast. Yeah, that's right. Well. That's right. Yeah. That's uh, good. So, uh, just, you know, we're working on some mechanics here, uh, fundamentals. <laughs> uh, I would say that uh, acquiring Taiwan Walker from Crazy Trade Man in Seattle was. Uh, was was a shock, and I say that in this particular conversation because you know listening to you on Power Alley. One thing, your excitement about baseball is what's fantastic. But obviously, you f- always seem like you knew the American League a lot more, and you had a pretty good you know he called in every week. Lloyd McClendon for a while, so it mm-hmm. seems like Taiwan Walker versus most other guys. You seem to have you probably jumped in knowing a lot more than anyone else with the Diamondbacks. And he seems to be having a successful spring. Is there something in the Diamondbacks that they that they that you you maybe can't tell us, but like they saw it right away, and they're like we know yeah. exactly what it is. All right.
3: So so there's a couple of things with him. Um, one, I, and, and I'll just say this based on you mentioned his his successful spring. I haven't really seen him because I've had a bunch of serious dates that I've had to do for. Spring training coverage and a couple other things. So I've seen him throw an inning in person. I had a scout last night tell me he's been the best pitcher he's seen in spring training this year by a wide margin. Um, And that was really, now I will say that two years ago in the spring, I believe that that was the case that a lot of scouts walked away looking at Walker saying the same thing uh, when he was with Seattle and that he had, you know, an okay year. Um, I think there are two things that, that kind of led to this. Well, there were a couple more than two things, but. Walker still has elite-level stuff, and he's been 94 to 97 with his fastball this spring. And, you know, that's pretty much kind of – that's who he is, right? Um, He's added this – or worked on his cutter. He's not calling it a slider. He's throwing four pitches for strikes. I mean, those are all improvements. And from what little I've seen of him, it looks like he's refined his delivery a little bit so he's finishing pitches better. Um, last year I think he was hampered by the fact that he pitched through most of the season with bone spurs in his ankle. Oh,
0: but I didn't know he, that.
3: Okay. Yeah, he had yeah. surgery at the end of the year, and so, um, so you've got that, and then you have the fact that you know the feeling was, you know, not to take anything away from what Gene Segura did last year because he was terrific, and I wouldn't be surprised if he puts together maybe not a twenty homer season, but similar numbers overall with Seattle. But there was more of a feeling as you're looking at from the outside that you could be selling high on him and how many 24-year-old starting pitchers with frontline stuff are available that have 350 innings in the big leagues and a 3 to one strikeout to walk ratio for their careers? Right. You know, and I think that that's the thing about Walker that gets you excited is it's like the peripherals are all there. Like, that's – all those things are like, okay, well, this definitely points to a guy whose ERA is who's going to be lower than four. You know, he's, he's been prone to the home run ball the last two seasons – And certainly that's something you need to get under control at Chase Field. It's a great hitter's ballpark. But he's a really bright kid. He's a really engaging kid. He is a monstrous physical specimen. I I think his shoulders have gotten wider since the last time I'd see him in person. Because now he looks like, you know, he was a big basketball star in high school. He looks like an NBA power forward. He has that kind of physique. Um, I'm really excited about Taiwan Walker this year. I think it could be a breakout season for him, and you know certainly those guys are not easy to acquire. I generally prefer bats to arms when you're making deals, but in this case, I certainly understand why they would go after Taiwan Walker and why they're so excited about it.
0: Also, Segura wasn't their guy. You know, they yeah. got him from somewhere else. It kind of makes it even easier to part ways.
3: Well, in a new administration too. Right. So I mean, you you and that was one of the things that you know Mike Hazen has talked about. The new general manager is like. You know, listen. We didn't have the the you know for good, for better or for worse the bias of being around the player all season, so we were looking at it with fresh eyes. And I know bias can be you know it instantly has a negative connotation. I don't think it necessarily means that in this case. It's just you know your eyes tell you what what they tell you, right? And so you you saw like I saw Gene Segura last year. I think Gene Segura was really good. I, I mean, he was. He was clearly the you know behind maybe Goldschmidt, maybe Goldschmidt last year. He may have been the best player overall in the Diamondbacks roster. And I do think he's capable of repeating that. But I think if you're coming at it, looking at it with fresh eyes, looking at the way the salaries match up, everything else is the way you're trying to construct a roster, you can certainly understand why you would say, Okay, you know, taking a look at it from here, we could move this guy and get a big return, And they did.
1: Okay, so we've talked a little bit about the big trade for a starting pitcher from this last offseason. But the one from the previous offseason is also still around. So what's going on with Shelby Miller? <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: Shelby has looked and and granted it's um, spring training, so you know take all of it with a grain of salt, I guess, but um, through three of his four outings he's been very good. He, he really battled some mechanic stuff in spring last year, um, and he, he admitted that he was putting too much pressure on himself and I think it all kind of snowballed out of control, but Um, He's had a really live fastball. You know, he's been in the mid-90s. I think he hit 99 in one of his starts. Um, And it's looked a lot different. He finished strong. He had two good starts at the end of the year against playoff teams, against Baltimore and Washington. And he's kind of carried that over into the spring. And of all the questions, I think, about, you know, where the the starting pitching competition goes and who will be in the rotation – to me, the, the, I really don't have a question about Shelby Miller. I think he's a much more talented pitcher than what his numbers showed last year, uh, and I think that he will bounce back. I don't know that it will be to the all-star level that he was in Atlanta two years ago, but I do think he's going to be a very capable Major League starting pitcher again.
0: Uh, well, I guess I, I want to get your sense real quick before we let you go of now you're on the other side of the table here, and you're... Getting more acclimated, I guess, to the NOS too. What do you see from your standpoint, the Giants? They did very well against Arizona last year. Uh, and But these two teams seem to battle each other in interesting ways. They tend to have a good <laughs> couple of series every, every season. But I'm wondering, uh, just looking at them, you know, because the, the standing rule here is like, you know, the Giants every year. They're an 84 to 85 win team. And that's what they aim for. And then maybe something good happens. But uh, from an outsider, where do you see them? Well, I mean, it, and as somebody who,
3: you're, you're right, gets to see the National League West a lot more. Now, I know that I wasn't trying to watch it when I lived back east, uh, but It is it certainly a lot easier. I get to see, <laughs> you know, I now get to see the Giants in person you know, or, you know, focused on 19 times, the Dodgers the same way. Um, I think that your kind of analysis on what the Giants are is pretty similar to what they are. I mean, I think it's a team that's somewhere in the mid-80s for wins, um, my my one concern with them is that they're that they're starting to get a little older in terms of their position player base. They're not, you know, over the hill, but you're starting to get a number of guys who are 30, and you know, especially when you figure in the injury history with you know two thirds of their starting outfield, the two thirds that's really set in Pence and Span, um, you know, that worries you a little bit. I, I know Buster Posey isn't concerned about the old man neck that he was suffering from this spring, but you know, coming off of a year where he had back injuries, you wonder, you know, if that's an impact for him and you know, what's going to happen at the back end of that rotation, I think is a real question because your know, Samarja was up and down last year. And I think, you know, obviously Bumgarner is going to be Bumgarner. I expect a to pitch well. I think, you know, you certainly saw flashes of brilliance from Matt Moore, not the least of which was the playoff start that he made against the Cubs. Um, but, I think you know th- he just has been a little bit up and down as a starter, which is kind of weird to think, right? Because, I mean, he's got such electric stuff. And we remember his second big league start being a playoff game, right? And pitching right. well in it against Texas. Um, so I think a lot of it hinges on that. And, and you know, the one thing about the Giants that I'm not really worried about is the bullpen. Doesn't that seem weird, right? Like based <laughs> on what, how it was a disaster <laughs> last year. And I know everybody's like, well, Melanson's going to solve all the problems. Well, I don't think it's actually the Melanson that's going to solve the problems. I mean, Derek Law is pretty good. Like, he, I mean, the, the guy put up really good numbers in the, in that pen. And beyond that, I mean, they have some they, they have some guys kind of pushed out of um, higher leverage roles that I think are going to help them. You know, I mean, I think they've got two lefties that are really funky, you know, such an Okert. And I think that those guys are, are. I think you know, those are pretty good relief pitchers potentially. You know, Strickland could know, be more of a middle reliever instead of having to pitch towards the end of games and i kind of like the way that they set up for the last nine outs and i don't know that bruce bocci is going to have to play the mix and match quite to the same degree so it's weird i think that their questions for me and i think it's probably a little different than other people my questions lie more with the injury risk that there are with the position players and the back end of the rotation and clearly the fifth start i think is a concern for everybody but less with the bullpen because i actually think they're in pretty good shape overall
0: Oh, when Buster Posey turns 30 in a couple weeks, we're not going to have a birthday party for him. We're definitely going to be in mourning. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's
3: going to be a like, yeah, It's be Buster Posey, right?
0: <laughs> former, former that's,
3: MVP outdone by a Molina.
0: That's right. <laughs> uh, well, one, one last question as a, as a, as a well-wisher to you, how, how are you doing with the move and acclimating and adjusting in? You're like, you're a year in now. Uh, yeah. And uh, how's it going?
3: I love it. I love, one, I've I've been wanting to live in Arizona like most of my adult life, Um, and we love living here. It's nice not moving during spring training. I remember when when we did this podcast last year, I literally was unpacking my office when we just moved into our house. Um, So, like, I think maybe that day we had moved in. So (laughs) Um, so it's great being settled here. Um, It's a really um you know i live in scottsdale and the the city motto is america's most livable city and it's pretty true like it's yeah. a really great place to be um i really enjoyed working for the dimebacks organization they've been really they've been tr- great to me um great people the broadcasters that i work with and greg schulte and tom Candiotti have been um incredibly supportive and really taking you know put an arm around me and um, you know, but my buddy Steve Berthium over on the TV side um, it has been a, a great resource and somebody to lean on. And it's great to see him at work every day because we've been friends for a number of years and um, really, really love being here. And, and um, you know, we, we, I keep joking, joking with my wife. We're never moving like we're never leaving this house. We're never packing. up. We moved a lot for a number of years. Um, I just love being here. It's a great place to be.
0: And baseball at 10 p.m.? being being on at 10 p.m. that's
3: great right <laughs> yeah i mean well baseball being over oh, at 10 p.m. is great I mean. I mean that's hey, like yes, yeah, yeah that's the beauty <laughs> of it like Instead of being up till two o'clock in the morning, yeah, I can come home and go to bed and get up and go to work and you know, be on the air at seven a.m. Uh, during the summer or the summer months. So uh, and feel like I'm well rested and I've seen everything. So it's uh, yeah, I much prefer the West Coast lifestyle. People were complaining about like the WBC games starting at nine o'clock Eastern. And I was like, hey, it's no problem for me,
0: man. Like I love it. You start the barbecue uh, right before first pitch. Well, hey, I my- made a
3: brisket last night for Texans, and it passed with flying colors. So, oh uh, man, you know, I'm, I am in mid-season form already with the smoker.
0: So truly, you are, uh, you are, your eminence. You are a baseball, and <laughs> you truly have earned it you're wowing Texans with your barbecue all right well Mike thank you so much uh, for joining us you're Mike you're at Mike underscore Farron that's with two R's uh, on Twitter and uh, if you don't have a serious XM subscription you know sell a child sell some blood whatever it takes get one and it's worth it for Power Hourly alone thanks for joining us Mike
3: thanks guys my pleasure
0: uh, you know Doug one thing I just realized we forgot to ask him about was the um, bacon wrapped pretzel baguette at uh, oh. at the Diamondbacks Stadium, was that Chase Park Field? Uh, yeah. Chase. yeah. Uh, the picture makes it look great, but I can taste it through the screen, and I want to vomit. But uh, I, yeah,
1: I actually got—I could feel my arteries clogging just looking at a picture of it.
0: <laughs> that served with honey mustard. I love honey mustard and roasted jalapeno ranch dressing dipping sauce. I love roasted jalapeno ranch dipping sauce. Do I want? Uh, Bacon wrapped pretzel baguette with black forest ham and Swiss cheese and all that? Absolutely not. Individually, all great. <laughs> uh, and also, cover probably... covering the important issues. That's right. That's right. Okay, our Twitter questions for the week. Uh, let's see. We ask every week at MacronCast, sending in your questions. Um, you don't even need us to prompt you, but it doesn't hurt. Uh, what do we got?
1: Okay, so our first one is from Mike Foster at Scout 6, our very own Scout Mm 6. He asks, will Ty Block be our lord and savior or just our lord?
0: (laughs) Well, I have a very strong feeling that um, culturally, uh, because of the way that the Oh, this isn't a political question. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, he's going to be our lord of the manor or yeah, sure. I could, we're going back to feudalism. It's happening. So we we should
1: do that. that. It's kind of disrespectful not to. I think he's pretty religious. That's
0: right. <laughs> uh, I mean, for the back end of the rotation, why not? Yeah. I, I, mean, I think if, he, that's if his Yeah, the ceiling is what he did when he came up last year. Well, I mean, he pitched really really well last year but you know what i mean like if he if his ceiling is reliable back end of the rotation guy that's valuable but i mean on the other hand if the giants are able to get one or two one and a half good seasons out of him they'll take that too they really are looking for some players who can bridge into the next thing the next strattons or bd or whatever it is um to get those guys in to fill their innings um I mean I don't think he's going to come in and be the number 2 guy after Cueto leaves um or anything like that but but uh yeah why not
1: Yeah I mean I feel like if he can pitch you know let's say he makes the rotation and he pitches 180 innings with a 3.90 ERA Yeah he great.
0: won't do that this year they they won't they won't let No they they won't let him pitch that many innings this year he's what 27 No he's 25
1: he, Yeah he's he's not really that He's not young enough that they need to protect his arm. they need to baby okay. his arm I think that if he I, okay. you know, shows up in the it's fine.
0: If it's 180 and 390, the Giants are probably going to win the division, I think. <laughs> uh, but I guess that is me assuming some other things about the rest of the rotation. <laughs> so maybe I should just shut my damn mouth. Right.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, next question is from um, Nasty Moen at Christy Tipsy. I believe that's not her real name. Uh, who asked? <laughs> Who in the MLB is most likely to have robbed Puig? you didn't see the story uh, about a week ago, Yasiel Puig got robbed for something like $500,000 in jewelry at uh, his house in LA.
0: This is a great question. I mean, I really have been thinking about it since Kristen sen- sent it in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who who in, the, in all of Major League Baseball? So, I mean, I, at first I want to just... Narrow it down to, okay, whoever's living in Southern California during the offseason, which actually does narrow it down quite a bit.
1: <laughs> well, um, I, I feel like you can do that, but then you realize you get $500,000 worth of jewelry. You can fly in from Scottsdale for that. <laughs> There's a lot of baseball players in Arizona.
0: <laughs> and no one would suspect it if all the players are going to Scottsdale and he is flying from Scottsdale. Right. <laughs> It's the perfect cover. Uh, all right. So we've got to have got have like a list of suspects, most likely. Who would want to steal from Yasiel Puig is sort of one, but like one is Puig's jewelry. So then to me, it feels like we're talking in, in a young person's arena. Yeah, so that,
1: that's a good point. Um, and so, you know, are we thinking inside
0: job? Oh, Doug. Holy, holy crap. Are this is we, good.
1: <laughs> I'm just, you know, the name that comes to mind, young guy, maybe, you know, people who play with Puig are known to not like him very much. Uh-huh. I'm just saying there's no evidence that proves that Jock Peterson didn't rob him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like Jock Peterson a lot as as a suspect here. I I feel like Jock Peterson, though, is a patsy for this. Oh, uh, uh huh. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step, because what you just said is like, we just followed the same trail that the person setting him up would want us to follow.
1: Oh God, I'm so stupid.
0: (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's Scott Van Slyke. (laughs) He has the motive. He and his family hate Puig for taking Scott Van Slyke's uh, Hall of Fame bust I think they accused him of doing <laughs> with the playing time remember that a, a couple of years ago I do uh, yeah so I, I'm going to say it's it's Van Slyke I mean Jock Peterson is a really good suspect I mean they play in the same outfield Jock Peterson would know exactly what kind of jewelry Puig has and you know calling each other off all the time or ignoring the cutoff man like he knows you know Peterson's like you know what Puig has this coming just watching him all the time. I can see this happening, but I also feel like Scott Van Slyke has motive and opportunity because he's not playing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People, you heard it here first. Scott Van Slyke is a criminal mastermind.
0: (laughs) Definitely. The Van Slykes are some sort of Oceans 11-esque family (laughs) uh, group here. Uh, yeah, that's right. You Not only did you hear it here first, but we impugned them here first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great question. That I mean,
1: that's a question.
0: I'm surprised there was not, you know, I'm surprised Grant's, if Grant hadn't spent all that time writing about Tim Tebow, so, he right. <laughs> could, could have tackled this one. Uh, let's see. Uh, there, There is a good one from Steve Svensson, but it's about Jarrett Parker. And I feel like we answered that both last week and we kind of touched on that earlier. Uh, I'm going to say I really like what Roger sent in at Raj61. Roger Munter, our minor league guru. It's the 20th anniversary of the 1997 Giants. Will Matt Moore replicate Sean Estes' role?
1: I mean that is that is a great comparison. What we saw of him when he came over is he walked seven hundred people, but he wasn't bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he could he could fluke his way into nineteen wins. I could see it.
0: Did uh, I didn't even think about the Sean Estes comp because I'll never forgive Sean Estes for game two of the two thousand and LTS, but <laughs> uh, that's great. I I guess so. Who <laughs> So now, <laughs> but now I'm, I'm automatically thinking like, how does the rest of that 97 team shake down? Well, okay. So obviously,
1: <laughs> obviously Ty Block is Kirk
0: Reader. Sure. Yeah, no, I see I that. Mean, that's just natural. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, I guess maybe William Van Landingham is, is Jeff Samarja. He loses his job at mid season and they trade for someone else. I don't know who the Wilson Alvarez is in this situation. There's a lot of... I, I
0: think you put Kane in the Van Landingham since he basically is that now. And then well, Samarja...
1: But Kane, Kane and Block can't be in the same rotation. We have to have a reader, so...
0: Uh, I, I, mean, I mean, you're right, but I, I also feel like we're missing something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, no this is this is good. Oh man, these are things to think about here. Uh <laughs> holy crap. Seriously. Uh Jeff Kent had <laughs> Jeff Kent had a really great counting stat season, but a 3.16 on base percentage and that's pretty amazing. Uh, baseball was different, man. <laughs> He's was
1: <always> different.
0: <laughs> also Barry Bonds soaking up all the on-base percentage. Oh Bill Miller Barry Bonds Daryl Hamilton were all oh and JT snow were all pretty solid man if if uh, if it's it's pretty amazing to think that as as completely solid a, as a, of a first baseman as JT snow was that if Brandon belt had the 97 season that JT snow had Brandon belt would somehow leap into another tier even though Brandon Belt has had better seasons already. Right. It just, <laughs> you know, just twenty-eight home runs. First of all, be a miracle if any giant hits over twenty-five home runs. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Oh man. Um, well, I think the Matt Moore Sean Estes comp is so solid, and I feel really stupid for not even seeing that. Um, all right, let's take one more question. Great question, Roger. Let's do one more. That that was a great question. Uh, so our I think
1: our final question here is from Nick Lyons at Nick King of Lions. Which pitcher is likely to get the middle finger down after repeatedly shaking him off? <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 oh man. I mean, I'm sticking with Samarja, I guess, but I mean, I think no, Hunter Strickland. Hunter Strickland.
1: Hunter Yeah, I mean that's a good pick. I was going to say Corey Guerin just because it seems like there would be something about him that would be annoying and so he'd shake you off four times like, damn it, Corey. Just that's God, that's good. Corey. I,
0: that's a really good answer because mine is, is thinking less of the person who's this is being thrown on but Corey Guerin, it seems like it'd be, it'd be more accidental or innocent or you know what I mean? Like it wouldn't be, he's not being a jerk about it. Right. It's just he's confused, frustrated or whatever it is. I, I like Corey Garen better. That's a better pick. Also, Hunter Strickland can't be the villain. I can't keep doing this. Why are we doing this? Why am I doing this to ourselves?
1: <laughs> like, he already vanity searches on Twitter. Do we have to That's take right. his hero status from him, too?
0: <laughs> uh, I like Garen because I like just the idea that he'd frustrate people just by being... Maybe he's like me. He just uses too many words. <laughs> and he overthinks things. <laughs> okay, so... We'd like to thank our guests for this week, Eric Steven True Blue LA. You can uh, you can follow him on Twitter because sometimes it's cool to see what the other teams are doing when they're in losing streaks. Um, but otherwise, in terms of the SB Nation blogs, I'd still say you're you know we're the best. But <laughs> True Blue LA is not terrible, but they are the Dodgers anyway. At Eric Steven, and then Mike Farren, uh, one of my my favorite people. Um, I mean, Eric's great, too, but I mean, like Mike Farron is is a lot of fun. So thank you to our guests and thank you for your questions. And uh, we'll be back next week.
3: Bye.